Hello and welcome to the Ernest Gikuma Show where we explore life success principles using the best personal development book of all time, the Bible, right here on SG1 Radio. The show is a combination of thought-provoking, life-changing and encouraging messages prepared with you in mind, uh, as well as a mixture of gospel songs from various artists so we can enjoy the show together. And I believe that we can find biblical solutions uh, for the, these challenging times that we are facing, whether they be social, spiritual, mental, physical, or even financial. Now, today I'm continuing with part two of the message I started last week about prayer. Now, last week we had a look at uh, some of the scriptures that were saying how the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught his disciples how not to pray. And he went on to tell them uh, they should not use repetitive words and they should also have a heart of forgiveness. So today we're going to be looking at how did he teach them how to pray. So it's all about prayer. How do you pray? What kind of pictures do you have in your mind when you're praying? But today we're going to touch a sensitive space. If you're far, come closer. Let me tell you something. Do you know that the relationship with your physical father or your biological father can affect your relationship with God. Stay tuned and you will see exactly what I mean. Anyway, so I have a quote of the day today from none other than a gentleman called Charles Kettering, who was an American inventor, an engineer, a businessman, and a holder of 186 patents. He was a head of research at General Motors between 1920 and 1947, and among most of his widely used automotive developments were the electrical starter motor and leaded gasoline. He said, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example. Every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example and not his advice. That is quite chilling right? Uh, Anyway, so our Father, our Father who is in heaven, the creator of all things, the maker, the builder, the the one who put together the whole universe, sent us his son so we can learn from him. Today we are looking about prayer. We are talking, uh, uh, last week we had a look at how the Lord Jesus taught his disciples not to pray, how not to be a hypocrite when you're praying. And we also, I also went on to say that whenever you're praying, Are you considering the image that is in your mind? We also looked at Wallace D. Wattles uh, in the book, The Science of Getting Rich, where he said you don't need a sweet hour of prayer. You need to pray without ceasing. So today we're going to get into our Lord's Prayer. Um, And in our Lord's Prayer, I've broken it down into parts so we can go a little bit deeper rather than just repeating the same words over and over again. Why don't we dig up a little bit and see the golden nuggets that are contained within the Lord's Prayer. Now, let's start reading then from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 7 to 15. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. And he says, and when you pray, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, uh, for they think uh, they think they will be hard because of their many words. So do not be like them, praying as they do, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse nine: Pray then in this way, or in this pattern, or in this model. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is set apart kept and treated as holy, revered. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, 
Give us this day our daily bread, 12, and forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive our debtors. That is, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. Verse uh, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, that's their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others, that is, uh, nurturing your heart and and anger with the result, or rather which results uh, in the interference with your relationship with your father or your God, then your father will not forgive your trespasses. Wow. Do you realize this is one of the places where God is almost rendered absolutely powerless? In the matters of forgiveness, you hold all the power. What is this kingdom he's talking about? How then should you pray? We've just read the scriptures from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses 7 to 15. And he went on to give the disciples uh, a template or a model of how we should pray. And it opens up. So what I've done is I've taken the Lord's Prayer and I've split it into parts. And this week we are going to look at the first two parts, which is our Father who is in heaven and hallowed be your name. We're just going to focus on those two parts because I believe there's a lot. There's a lot that we could glean out of it. Let's start off with the first part. Our Father in heaven. Now, this is Jesus Christ uh, who was born of a virgin. And he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And he starts off the prayer by saying, Our Father. Which means he has put himself in the, he has put us in the level of sons or brothers to him. Have you noticed that? He said, Our Father. He didn't say we should pray to his Father. He should pray, we should pray to our Father. Your Father, my Father, his Father. We all belong to one Father. Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus equate us to him? Now, if you start digging deep and ask yourself, who is a father in the first place? Now, myself, when I was growing up, my father was a very tough man. I believe he did the best which he, uh, what he knew how to do. But to be honest, he messed up a lot, a lot more time. And I know, I know for a fact that affected my relationship with God. Because when you're abused by your father, when you see your father not being able to love, how then are you supposed to assume that your heavenly father can even love you? You don't even know what love means. So let's zone in a little bit into this idea of fatherhood. In March 2019, uh, a newspaper called Mail Online uh, printed an article saying absent fathers have a significant impact on behavior on young people caught up in crime, drugs, and gangs. So when a father is not present, okay, these three key elements of, uh, of, of dysfunctional young people or dysfunctional individuals, they show up, crime, drugs, and gangs. Fathers... Uh, are three times more likely to die after separation than mothers. Hey, these are statistics. These are real stuff. 
Mothers are, uh, fathers are three times more likely to die after separation than mothers. And suicide is now the biggest killer of men under 50. Can you imagine? People are committing suicide. Okay? It's the, it's the biggest killer for men under 50. This is another statistic. 41% of separated fathers reported relationship breakdown affected their personal work life. Okay? According to David Lamy, David Lamy was, a, was an MP for Haringey, that is a, a borough in London, um, and he said, this was during it, around the 2011 riots, he says, 19 offenders arrested in the Tottenham, if you can remember the Tottenham fires, I was actually uh, in Tottenham and I thank God I'm alive, um, offenders arrested in Tottenham after the 2011 riots, only two had active dads, only two. 17 of them did not have active fathers. So when, when Jesus is saying our father who is in heaven, he is indicating that our father in heaven hears. But imagine then when a father is absent, chaos happens. Right? Now, and I know this might sound challenging, but I want you to walk with me because we have to know when we pray our father who is in heaven, what do we mean? What picture do we have? If your father was absent or he was an abuser, how then are you supposed to relate to your father who is in heaven? In the book of John, I think it's 3 John, he said, if you cannot love a brother or a person who you can see, how are you supposed to love, the, uh, to love God whom you cannot see? Let me turn that around. If you cannot love a father who you can see, how are you supposed to love a father who you cannot see? So you've just, I've just shared with you some, and you can go on, you can go on online and find out the challenges humans are facing or families are facing because of lack of fatherhood. So when we say our father who is in heaven, what picture comes to your mind? Okay. These are some of the reasons why, they're just uh, the ones I mentioned, that is causing the UK government to spend over 51 billion pounds yearly to try and help families get back together. Now, 51 billion is more than the entire Ministry of Defense budget. Imagine that. They're spending more money to try and reconcile families. And the reconciliation here is between fathers and mothers. For the most part, fathers are the absent ones. And for you who are single moms, I salute you. If you kicked your, your husband out, well, maybe we need to revisit it. But nevertheless, single mothers, hearts off for you. So right here we can see that fatherhood, fatherhood is not only good for the family, it's also good for the economy. So when Jesus says, our father who is in heaven, he is uh, he's presenting a live opportunity that you are not alone. I am not alone. He was not alone. So our father who is in heaven. So when you go to close your eyes later on this afternoon, what picture will come to mind? By the way, remember he said, if you cannot forgive, you will not be forgiven. So let me ask you this. How is your relationship with your earthly father? Now, we, we just looked at a couple of things. We, number one, we looked at how Jesus gave a template of prayer to his disciples. He also went to teach them how not to pray. Now, uh, previously, I shared with you a few statistics about absentee fathers when fathers are absent um, there's a much significant imp impact 
on behavior of young people caught up in crime, drugs, and guns. Now, so if then you are to proceed forward and call your father, my father, call God, the creator of the universe, your father, don't you think if you have a kind of a challenging relationship with your earthly father, that could affect the way you see your father in heaven. I tell you what, personally, I had a very difficult time receiving love, even thinking that actually God can love me after what I had seen and experienced as a young child. And if you're a man or a woman or someone who has experienced uh, any kind of oppression or violence, especially from your father, it's always going to be a challenge to accept that another father who you cannot see can actually love you for who you are. And especially if you have been abused, whether it's sexually, emotionally, or, uh, or, or physically, or even psychologically. Any kind of abuse from a father is really, really difficult. So when then Jesus says, our father who is in heaven, remember he brings himself to our level. Or he raises us up to his level because he did not say, when you pray, pray like this, your father. He actually says, our father. He included himself. Now, having looked at the issues that we looked before about absentees in fatherhood, let me tell you this. Mental health problem, behavioral challenges, lack of self-control, and being prone to gang violence are all included on the absenteeness or the abuse of a father's, of, uh, from the fathers. What can we learn from the first part of our Lord's Prayer? Our Father who is in heaven. What characteristics then? Should we, as fathers, I am a father, I have four children. What kind of characteristics then should I aim to get towards? Why don't we have a look at the definition of a father? And this is not just the biological definition of someone who gives birth to a child. We're going to go a bit deeper. Fathers uh, is not so much the name, but the title resulting from a function. God intended, intended men to be fathers. Therefore, he designed them to be so. So if you're a father, guess who is your best example? Not your biological father. Your father who is in heaven. He is your perfect example. Now you might turn around and say, but I've never seen him. Guess what? If you seek, if you follow the footsteps of Jesus, you will understand how your father is like. So why don't we dig a little bit deeper and see what this means. So the uh, the word father denotes progenitor, ancestor, founder, author, teacher, creator, source, nourisher, sustainer, supporter, founder, and protector, among many other, uh, uh, many other um, functions that a father ought to play. But we can see that Father is source. So when, when Jesus is saying, our Father, he's our source. Our Father, he's our nourisher. He's our sustainer. Our Father who is in heaven. He's our supporter who supports us from another realm. Our founder, we are founded in him. Our Father who is in heaven. He is our protector. He is the author and the finisher of our life. He is our teacher. He is a progenitor. He is our ancestor. If you want to know how you look like, actually, to be honest, forget about your physical body right now. If you go and zoom in into your spiritual being, you are like your father now. However, you need to work on the characteristics that portray or show 
whose child you are. This is an image of a father that we can strive towards. Of course, it's an image of perfection. Yes. Okay. And the best representation, again, um, of the father is Jesus Christ. Now, whatever religion or whatever kind of things that you may have heard about the Lord himself, I want to challenge you, open that book and actually investigate how this man lived. He was only young, yet he taught wisdom. He taught a lot of wisdom. If you just follow his footsteps, in fact, he said, if my word dwells in you and you dwell in me, my father in heaven will love you just as I have loved you. So you can see that the word father is a very intimate word. It's not only intimate, it is very personal here. Jesus continually said, my father, my father says, I see my father do and therefore I do. So he sees what his father does and then he does. Let me ask you this. Do your, um, do your children, do your children follow your example? Or do you scream when you see them do or say the things you've done or said? Right. Sometimes I cut my children saying things and I think, oh, I need to change my language. Does that happen to you? Okay. How can you be perfect? By continuously being coachable and following the footsteps of the master himself. Trust that God is a good God. God, your father and my father cares for us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Now, by the word begotten there was not the single and only. It was the mono, uh, the, the, the one son who did not have the physical father DNA. Okay. So you and I are a product of our father in heaven. However, to bear his characteristics, we need to follow him. Now, we know God is a good God. How do we know that? Because you and I know he loved us. It's not just written. He has demonstrated it. At the moment, we're looking at our father. So we're looking at the nature of our father. We've just discovered that uh, when Jesus said our father in heaven, he brought us up as his humans and he placed us in his level. He said our father. He didn't say my father or your father. He said our father, which means we have the same source. So, But do our character, does your character, does my character uh, mirror that which is of our father. Now, at the beginning, I also shared with you um, the daily quote from Charles Kettering, who said, every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. And that's a very sobering thought. We've also looked at the father. Who, what denotes a father? He's a progenitor, he's an ancestor, a supporter, a founder, and a protector. So then we can say that a man becomes a father when he takes responsibility for raising his children. A man becomes a father when he not only claims his child but also takes care of his child. Any man can donate a sperm, but fathers nurture and raise their seed. So when we are calling God our father, it's when Jesus instructs his disciples to call God, the creator of heaven and earth, our father, he's therefore telling us that God is, has not only interest, he has a vested interest in taking care of us. He is willing to nurture you and I. He's our protector. So what feelings do you have towards your, heaven, uh, your earthly father? 
has he let you down and and how has that affected your relationship with your heavenly father or did you fall into the lie of okay let me ask you this have you come to terms with forgiving your father whether it is your uh, your real father who left you or your real father who abused you or another father who came along and abused you and used you and then spit you out whatever it is has happened in your past you're listening to this message and i know you have a father somewhere have you dealt with the issues have you forgiven your father have you let go of the hatred of the anger of the of the pain that you held within yourself because let me tell you this if you haven't and then you go and pray to your father in heaven i'm sorry but you're actually praying in the way that jesus taught us not to pray for he says forgive everyone that your father may forgive you for if you do not forgive he cannot forgive you so guess what by you not forgiving your earthly father or fathers you are holding yourself ransom because your father in heaven cannot help you that means you and i need to learn how to forgive and let go from a heavenly father's perspective we are the offspring of one father god hence we are all brothers and sisters however when we deny the heavenly father when we deny to take on the character of our father we automatically take the character of the fallen serpent i.e. the devil or satan and we start to hate and we through hatred out of hatred our anger rises and when you're angry you're more likely to murder in fact jesus said whoever hates his brother is a murderer So let me ask you this how is your relationship with your earthly father and i know for some of us it's quite challenging i'll be honest with you when i immigrated from my country i was looking forward to the day when maybe one day i'll sit my father down and be the judge of his life but you know what time came and healing came through and i found the courage and i thank god he helped me get rid of all the negative charge that i had against my own biological father Now, I know some of us have really been wounded and hurt. But let me ask you this. When you're carrying that hurt and pain, who's hurting? Who is who's losing out? Is it your other person or is it you who is the greater loser? I'll tell you what I told someone who I met this week. Forgiveness is one of the most selfish things you can do. Yes, because it's all about you. Now, it does not justify what the other person did. No. They did wrong. Yes, that's a fact. They hurt you. Yes. But you carrying that hurt, you continue to hurt yourself. But if you want to be clean and healed, start from there. Learn how to let go. It may not be easy, but I can tell you it is absolutely rewarding. You deserve to be free. If your father abused you in any way, it's possible that you're harboring anger and guilt. and even fear and these emotions inhibit your relationship with your father in heaven in fact even with your own children or those who are close to yourself so you go as you go in your inner closet today i want to challenge you why not forgive why not forgive your father why not forgive the fathers who have let us down why don't we unite imagine the, uh, the uk government spends 51 billion pounds a year to try and put back the family 
51 billion. That's more than the defense uh, ministry uh, budget. More than the defense ministry budget. All because the family has broken down. And I believe the fathers have a huge responsibility to play, which means good fatherhood is good for the economy. So let's then think about how do we take on the character of God? I think Jesus is a very good picture of a man that we ought to aim or how can copy who can help us uh, develop the, the right kind of father attitude and characteristics. So let's go on to the second line, which says, holy is your name. What does it mean? So Jesus brought us up to his level of saying, our father who is in heaven. And then the next statement is, holy is your name. What does the word holy mean? What does the word holy mean to you? According to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, to be holy is to be exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Perfect in goodness and righteousness. Now, there's so many things we could say about being good. However, when we look at the word righteousness, it's being right with God. Righteousness, the way the kingdom operates, or rather the the righteous way, the way of God. There is an aspect of perfection and worthiness involved. And each time we think of God's name as hallowed or to be uh, your, your name is holy, it should bring us to consider the greatness and the majesty and the beauty and the awe of God. It is also hard to think of the word holy without thinking about the word whole. So if you can think of the word whole as in something is whole, so the Father is complete with nothing missing, uh, nothing needs to be added. We start with the, the word holy and whole are very similar. Being holy then means completely perfect and completely whole without anything added. Okay? So how do you visualize a holy father? Now remember, any t- if you had any challenges with your physical biological father or fathers, I can almost guarantee you, you will have an issue with relating to your heavenly father in a positive manner. However, if you've had a good, healthy relationship with your physical biological father, you're more likely to be attuned to your heavenly father because you've been given a template or a picture of how a father is like. So God then is law because his laws are perfect. He is one with his laws and his laws are him. Jesus comes and says, I came to fulfill the law. He did not come to break the law. And then he comes and says, a new commandment do I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And he comes and lifts the barrier from just basic obedience to actually the law of love, the perfect law of love. Now, love is not complete unless it takes a risk. So God loves you so much, even though he knows you could choose to deny him. If it was love that forces you to become in a certain way or to behave in a certain way, then it's not complete love. God is not afraid of losing you because he's God. You cannot run anywhere from him, no matter how far you think you can go. In fact, David said, where can I run from you? If I go and lay my bed in hell, there you are. If I go to the ends of the universe or the earth, there I will find you. 
Why do you think you can run away from God's love? Apostle Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not temptation, not persecution, not anything. There is nothing that can separate you. There is nothing big enough or bad enough to separate you from your Father who is in heaven. Apart from your unforgiveness, everything else he can get you out of. But if you have a, have a unforgiveness within your soul, within your heart, within your emotions, that will cause challenges because you cannot reach him. And even if he tried to reach you, you'll be sinking deeper and deeper into uh, negative aspects. So how different would your children be if you knew how to love like God? Can you imagine how many, uh, how many fathers, how many lives can fathers save? If we learn to forgive, imagine how much better we would live if we learn to forgive our biological fathers. And love that will follow you no matter where you go, desiring you and overtaking you, desiring you to uncover your true potential. How can you um, describe it? So as we conclude today's part or today's, uh, today's session, I've got three points that I would want you to think about or take away. Number one, forgive your biological father because God in Jesus himself said, if you do not forgive those who are here, your father in heaven cannot forgive you. So we can start from there. Analyze the feelings that you have towards, whether they are for or against your physical, biological father. And if you're harboring any anger or resentment or fear, let it go. Let it go. Number two, engage with the whole image of your father in heaven. Discern and know that you are loved. Jesus said when we pray, we should pray our Father who is in heaven, which means Jesus, you and I are family, our Father who is in heaven. Point number three, know certainly that there is nothing your Father in heaven will not do for you and especially for your sake. He will relentlessly pursue you. As the song we've just heard, Reckless Love by Corey Ashbury, God will not leave any mountain standing. He will go through hell if he has to, to find you. And I know that for a fact because my previous life and where I am today, he has indeed done miraculous things. Now, next week, I will continue with a couple of other sentences. So we've looked at our Father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Next week, we look at your kingdom come and your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Why don't you join me next week as we continue with this topic of how should we then pray? I hope you've enjoyed the show today and I look forward to, uh, to having you again. Join me next week on the Ernest Kikuma Show where we can explore life success principles uh, using the best personal development book of all time. I wish you that you have a blessed weekend.